Welcome to the Tucson Bitcoin Podcast. Today, my guest is Thomas Mills from over at BitRefill. In this conversation, we talk about all sorts of things like the Lightning Network and the Bitcoin, the state of the Bitcoin circular economy, which is looking just better and better every day. Uh, we got into what's going on in El Salvador, how BitRefill is exploding there as people are using their product, buying gift cards with the Lightning Network, uh, doing all sorts of stuff. Um, and it was pretty cool to hear about. But yeah, I like BitRefill. They sponsor a meetup. Uh, they're pretty passionate about Bitcoin meetups and are sponsoring a few around the country. Uh, Thomas talked about how he wants to do a tour of all the different meetups at some point. Uh, so we'll hopefully get him down here in Arizona to check out what we're doing, uh, which would be awesome. Anyways, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Okay, and we're recording. Good to have you on, Thomas. Thanks for doing this. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, Alex. I appreciate being here. Sure. So could you go into a little bit of, about what BitRefill is and how long you've been there and what you do for them? Yeah. So uh, I am our head of customer happiness or head of pleb happiness uh, at BitRefill. Um, BitRefill has been around since uh, 2014, uh, probably one of the older companies in the space that has continuously been open. And um, it was started by, uh, it was started then to really kind of contribute to the circular economy of Bitcoin. Um, it, uh, we try to provide an anchor uh, from this permissionless world into real world products. So originally when it started, it was just phone top ups. Um, but it's grown pretty immensely into uh, products in over 170 countries, uh, over 4,300 products I think we're up to now at this point. Um, and I think last I looked, we've had uh, a customer on every single continent, including Antarctica. And uh, we're, there's only 10 random little island countries that, haven't, uh, that we haven't had a customer at now at this point. And, um, you know, I, I feel like all of us Americans would have a, a problems finding those small island countries on a map if we were if we were asked to. So, um, so you know, we've we we want to give people the ability to actually use their Bitcoin uh, in that permissionless fashion to to buy things. Whether you want to buy something on Amazon or order some food on DoorDash, um, it, you know, giving that anchor to that real world product. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, that, that's such an incredible accomplishment, 170 countries. And so, so what's the story with Antarctica? Does somebody just go out there to use BitRefill on purpose just to say they did? Or is there like a scientist out there? Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're ga gaming the system, sending, uh, sending our employees around. But no, uh, we, um, we actually, we don't, we don't get to, uh, you know, we don't get that much insight into, we, we give our customers, we, we highly value their privacy. So, um, so that customer in Antarctica, I, I'm not quite sure exactly what the purchase was. We just saw uh, a purchase from uh, an Antarctica IP address come in for, for, uh, for some products. So um, we value our customers' privacy and uh, we want to keep it that way while trying to learn as much about, you know, how we can fill their needs in the future. So there is always that fine line of, uh, of running a country, uh, or not a country, a company, and, uh, and valuing their privacy, but also at the same time, same time trying to learn how you can uh, fulfill their needs uh, more and more. So um, that's a part of my, my job. 
uh, is to really listen to our customers that, uh, that want to talk to us and want to give us feedback, uh, whether they, um, they want to do that anonymously or they want to talk to me directly. Um, and so that way we can learn how they're using their Bitcoin uh, and how they want to use their Bitcoin in the future. That's awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, privacy is a big issue right now. A lot of people are rightfully concerned about it, and it's nice to have companies that actually care about it. <laughs> have you have you got have you guys ran into any problems with regulators around that? Um, yeah. So we the products that we offer of phone you know phone top ups and uh, and gift cards they are closed loop products. So that lets us. Um, operate in an environment where we don't need, uh, you know, if we stay under certain limits, we don't need to uh, do intrusive KYC. Uh, we can let our customers use our platform without creating an account. Um, and even if they do create an account, uh, it's synonymously just associated with their email address. So, um, so by us, you know, kind of operating that way, it's let us build this as we go along. Uh, to kind of keep privacy at the forefront of everyone's mind. Um, so whether that's, you know, privacy from, uh, from Visa and MasterCard, knowing your every single uh, swipe and transaction or your bank um, or, uh, you know, or any other financial institution that is doing that. Um, by doing that with closed loop products, uh, we've been able to really uh, value our customers' privacy. And I think that that's, uh, cornerstone of Bitcoin that we will, or not Bitcoin, but it, it is a cornerstone of Bitcoin and freedom, but it's also a cornerstone of BitRefill that, um, that I think will always be, you know, top of mind when we're adding a service or a product. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I find really interesting is, um, you know, the difference between Bitcoin companies and, you know, the fiat world, and then also the shitcoin companies like, uh, um, you know, Coinbase, for example, um, it, it, it's always awesome to, you know, see this ethos of, you know, you guys, one, you know, starting the company are probably Bitcoiners and believe in these things. And then two, you know, your customer base are people that are concerned about these issues and it influences the business model. Um, I find that really, really interesting. Yeah, I think, um, I think that, you know, something that we can probably all agree on is that, you know, Bitcoin is ultimately freedom, uh, whether that's, you know, what type of freedom that is, uh, and it's different for everyone. Uh, you know, Bitcoin is, can be freedom for someone from the state, uh, freedom from surveillance, uh, you know, freedom from borders, you know, if you're a digital nomad, uh, you know, uh, having your money not no no borders is uh, is important to people um, or you know freedom from uh, kind of the, the trap that a lot of people fall into in the fiat system of uh, of credit and credit card debt and uh, and and things along those lines so um, you know Bitcoin being freedom money I think is is a principle that we hold pretty dear and near to our hearts at bit refill um, uh, because it is meant to be a permissionless, you know, peer to peer system. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. One of the things you said, uh, Bitcoin, 
you know, means freedom and freedom means something different to everybody. You know, and one of the things that I find really interesting about Bitcoin is the way that people around the world see it differently. Um, we, we get these people at, at, that come to meetups that, you know, are interested as like an investment. Um, and that, that's what initially drew me in was that idea of, you know, this, this is a new asset. There's a lot of volatility. You're able to, you know, maybe capitalize on it, um, make some money, uh, quickly, but, you know, for a lot of people, you know, specifically in El Salvador, it is, you know, the only way to get financial services. Um, and that's something that we were talking a little bit before, you know, recording is, it sounds like El Salvador's a bit refill is kind of blowing up down there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I, th I think that uh, when you listen to the way like, uh, you know, Jack or, uh, or Peter talk about, uh, you know, what Bitcoin is, or even the president of what Bitcoin is and can be to uh, people in El Salvador, I probably won't do that justice. I can just say from what we saw at BitRefill, um, it, it was, it was uh, a crazy few weeks uh, in the best way possible. Um, I think that, uh, you know, a tweet that circulates around out there that actually has a slight typo in it uh, was that, you, you know, from El Salvador, we were seeing, you know, 10, we saw 10,000 uh, lightning payments in a single day. And it's actually, uh, the truth about it was, is that that was for several weeks. Um, and it really, you know, tested lightning and it, it showed people this superior money system that they could participate in and uh, and have access to global products. So um, so in El Salvador, we saw people buying um, in El Salvador, we didn't we didn't know this was going to happen that uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of kids that love playing this game free fire. Uh, and that's, you know, technically a US product. And so people took strike, uh, you know, and then were able to buy free fire diamonds in this game that they like to play uh, instantly for no transaction costs. So um, or, uh, or a minimal transaction cost with Lightning. And um, I think that that was probably an eye-opening experience for a lot of these, uh, for a lot of these people who, you know, uh, as you know, in El Salvador, I think it's 70% of, their, of uh, their population is unbanked. And so uh, them getting a tool like Strike in their hands um, or the Bitcoin Beach Wallet, and then pairing that with something that gives them global access to 4,300 products like BitRefill. Um, I like to think that that was a massive life improvement for a lot of these folks. Um, and uh, and you know, back to that freedom part, it did give them the freedom to, whether you're playing a game or whether you're buying groceries, to be able to do that and not be reliant on a banking system necessarily um, and to not be dependent on uh, on, on the dollar, if they were choosing to, you know, keep all of, to keep their wealth in Bitcoin as well too, because um, I think that's something that gets talked about a bit is how El Salvador is a dollarized country, and um, and you know when they are printing out stimulus checks, none of those are going to El Zante or anywhere else in El Salvador. So. Um, so we're, we're excited to see what's, what's going to happen there. Uh, we've been so excited to see what's happened there since, uh, since Strike rolled out and, uh, and also since 
you know, the Bitcoin Beach wallet uh, has been adopted a lot more there. And um, you can just see this, uh, this swelling group of, of folks who are getting uh, access to, you know, now world, world-class uh, financial products because of Bitcoin. Yeah, that's amazing. Something that you brought up was the, you know, how people are using Bitcoin to buy products and video games. And I think that's super interesting and something that, you know, gets me really, really excited. I, I just had, a, you know, a buddy of mine on uh, from the meetup uh, who were, just got a job at Zebedee. You know, we were playing uh, CSGO with Zebedee's Infuse, and that was a lot of fun. But, you know, for people and a lot of I see like a lot of Bitcoin adoption and growth happening specifically from these areas that are unbanked or underbanked. Um, and I think specifically with Bitcoin gaming, that that's where the adoption's going to grow the most. You know, like people were playing RuneScape, um, which is a super old game, but they were playing RuneScape to mine or to earn the gold to sell in Venezuela because it was this better, you know, more lucrative um, way to earn money than going to work and, you know, operating in the Bolivar. I thought that was really interesting that this like fake, you know, in-game currency um, that's a closed network is more lucrative. And just imagining that with Bitcoin is just wild uh, what that can mean. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think you, you, um, yeah, I'm sure the folks over at Zebedee would have a lot more to say about it uh, than, than I would, but um, getting people to earn in Bitcoin, I think is, is a huge next, next step for, for all of us, right? Um, and uh, you know, something with BitRefill is um, the majority of our customers are actually not in the US. The majority of our customers are uh, you know, distributed internationally. It's, pretty, it's a pretty nice mix of of where they come from, whether that's a um, what would be considered an emerging market, or you know uh, the, a market like the UK or EU or US. So, um, so uh, you know, back to what you were saying of getting people to to earn Bitcoin is is important, and getting people to uh, you know kind of create these alternative uh, economies um, is, is important as well too. Um, something that I'm trying to learn and get into a bit is, uh, is my understanding is that there is this economy that there might be this kind of economy developing in the Philippines, uh, as well too, where people are, uh, you know, earning, earning a living almost by playing a video game, um, or, you know, doing stuff like, flipping nfts within these video games and, and things along those lines and that's something that uh, i really want to learn more about as well too so um you know gaming could be a bit of the trojan horse to uh to get you know the next generation uh earning bitcoin and thinking thinking in sats too um kind of curious what uh did uh did your friend at zebedee have much else to say about that um, I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit about like how the, the price rises, um, quite a bit over time and how lucrative, especially in these countries that, uh, you know, there's not a lot of in industry, um, or lucrative business opportunities for somebody to play games and stack sats as it, it being a meaningful way to save. Uh, I thought that was really fascinating because, um, 
and, and what's really cool right now is like if you go and play CSGO, a lot of the servers are uh, sponsored uh, so that you can enter in for free and uh, you can walk away with sats like if you're not terrible at video games. Um, but I, I just I think that was a big he said they they've seen he's pretty new to the company he started a couple weeks ago, um, but uh, a lot of players in Brazil and I think they're going to grow quite a bit over time because it's it's like one of those things like the only thing you really need is a computer and a steam account which i don't think restricts anybody anywhere um in the world and then uh uh the zebedee uh wallet on your computer and you're good to go um it's pretty cool i i think um yeah kind of a common thread with all these things is like uh, giving people you know, this kind of global access to something that maybe they're, uh, you know, the, the kind of tearing down those borders and those uh, gatekeepers previously. And, uh, you know, letting someone, I think, you know, the, 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 uh, the example that goes around a bit is like Matt Odell, uh, you know, getting killed by some, uh, you know, kid in uh, playing light night in in, in the Philippines and uh, then him being able to turn those sats into, you know, groceries for his family. And um, I think that we will see, you know, a ton of fun use cases like that. Um, but there's a lot of other parts to the circular economy, I think that um, that can be applied to, you know, mo most of what's going on in the world. Um, I think that, you know, whether that's uh, a small business that's starting to accept Bitcoin, um, uh, you know, or a freelancer, or just you know, getting people to think think about how they can earn Bitcoin or get paid in Bitcoin, uh, not to steal something from uh, Russell Lacoon too much, but uh, you know, uh, getting getting these sats in more people's hands and then getting them to understand that they are you know participating in this freedom money uh that that is permissionless uh, i think we'll get a lot of people on board uh to that and so I, I think that with um you know there's some people say different things about the el salvador bill but i i think that there will be a lot of businesses in el salvador that um you know since they will need to accept bitcoin um we'll, we'll start to see some some interesting things from that yeah yeah, I mean, 100%, super, super interesting. Uh, yeah, as far as like the circular economy, I think like one of the biggest things, we're seeing an elimination of cash right now. Um, and that affects uh, waiters and waitresses quite a bit. Um, because I, I would imagine that when you uh, uh, like tip with a card, they're subjected to taxes on those tips. Um, not 100% positive on that, but I, one of the things that I stole this from Brian Harrington, he loves to do this with people, but uh, at the meetups, he tries to tip the waiters, waitresses in, in Bitcoin. And I was able to do that, um, set up a lightning wallet, like, you know, in a second and, uh, you know, tip her. And that, that actual, like, I've noticed this, there's a, this amazing light switch that goes on for people, you know, you can tell them all about Bitcoin um, and its philosophy, and it's just kind of this thing that's out there. But when they actually interact with it, it's a whole different ball game. And when they have a little bit of skin in the game, 
um, there's the interest grows quite a bit. I love, um, you know, different products like fold for that reason. Uh, but it, yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah. I think, uh, I have heard, uh, that that's a pretty good, uh, orange pill to pass out, uh, at these meetups from, from Brian as well too, to get people on a wallet of Satoshi and tip them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think that there's like Bitcoin, it can be anything to anyone, right? And so there's kind of the the brilliance of the savings technology of Bitcoin of you know not getting debased by a central bank. That's an idea that um, that has been talked about and explored a lot. But I think that seeing it too is like a superior transacting technology uh, too, where now you do have these uh, you know peer to peer relationships where like that that bartender who was helping you out for the evening and getting tips instantly doesn't have to, you know, who knows if the bar or restaurant might be taking a cut of those tips. Um, you know, we're not bleeding out money to the credit card processors uh, and, and things like that. When you do do a tip from, you know, your blue wallet to uh, their wallet of Satoshi or Breeze or whatever that might be. And it was, it was instant and it was their money. And, uh, and you didn't need anyone's permission to, to do anything with that. So um, yeah, I think that, like I said, going back to it, it, it is a superior money uh, that is leading to all these new kind of discoveries for all of us. Um, and, and so, yeah, that bartender then might, you know, leave that wallet of Satoshi there for a bit and then realize like, hey, that tip from Alex grew from, you know, X, X amount of fiat value to this new amount of fiat value. Hopefully it went up. Uh, maybe if it was a, maybe if it was a tip from April, maybe not, or, or May, maybe it, maybe it hasn't, but, um, but then they're able to, you know, spend that money permissionlessly as well too, which is, I think, uh, an important, an important thing. And, uh, and a question that I always try to try on as well too, of like, um, like if no one's transacting in Bitcoin, if we're all just saving in Bitcoin, uh, will it, will it be as valuable? Um, hmm. and, and so, so it's, so, you know, I guess that's back to kind of the tools that like people like us at BitRefill, uh, fold, and other merchants are trying to do to give people, you know, the tools to actually transact in that economy and not be, you know, slaves to the uh, banking and ACH system and, you know, the visas and MasterCards. So. Yeah, I think like the, the circular economy is going to be a lot slower growing in the United States because we have, you know, this financial privilege of having our currency um, retain its value a little bit better because it's a reserve asset um, for a lot of other countries. Uh, and so I think it'll be slower, but we're starting to see it pop up in, a, in some pretty interesting ways. Um, I, I think like the tipping economy is like a really good way to, to introduce that. But I, I think people are really, really interested uh, because of the fees that the payment processors are, are charging. And then on top of that, for any company that is international, it is so difficult to send money um, and to interact with, you know, different currencies. And you might hire somebody that doesn't have a bank account or can't get a bank account in another country, but is totally competent 
um, and, and Bitcoin solves that solution. And I think there's a guy at our meetup that that's talking about that, that has a company that's international and how, you know, he sees Bitcoin as a solution for that. Um, so I think we will see it. Um, but yeah, I think there's like five businesses in Arizona that accept Bitcoin right now that I know there might be more lurking, but yeah. Well, I, so we're, you know, uh, kind of the, the headquarters of, the, of BitRefills in Sweden, but uh, we're an incredibly distributed team. Uh, you know, I'm in California. Uh, we have a few Californians, a few Texans, but also, you know, some people in Brazil, uh, some people in, in Africa, India, Australia, um, you know, all around the world. And actually the majority of our team uh, get gets paid in Bitcoin, uh, the, wow. and because um, it's it's easier. Um, I I think it's you know we talk about these people who uh, like El Salvador where they're unbanked, and I I almost think that there will be some or hopefully there will be some sort of trend in the future similar to um, the cord cutting movement where instead of you know, like you're choosing not to have cable. And I think that we'll almost see that with like a, um, a, a debanking where people will be like, this is, uh, you know, a superior way to interact with my money. And I know that we, we see that, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis at our, at our own company um, it, it, where, you know, it's, it's easier for us to pay someone that's, you know, doing our support in, uh, in Mexico city via Bitcoin than it is, uh, you know, trying to figure out the whole convoluted international banking system. Uh, and they get that money instantly as well too. Uh, and they don't need, you know, they don't have to worry about their bank account getting shut down or, or anything along those lines or a wire getting placed on hold. Yeah, that's huge. That's absolutely huge. I mean, the, the banking system is just, I mean, this is, this is something funny, you know, like it's so much easier to send a uh, Bitcoin transaction, either lightning or on chain than it is to send a wire transfer and deal with that headache and that mess. Um, it's just, there's that aspect, you know, people talk about like Bitcoin not being user-friendly. It's like the traditional system is not user-friendly. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I mean, it just... The example of a team member in uh, in Mexico City is a very real one. He's a he's a guy on my team, Raul, uh, real real great guy, and uh, he was trying to learn more about Lightning, and he just had a Lightning wallet, and you know he's he was um, he was he was playing around with it, and uh, and we were just you know chatting on the. Uh, and he's like, oh, how do I get some sats in there? And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, like the, it was actually when the on-chain fees were super high. And so, uh, you know, from California to Mexico, uh, you know, we were able to shoot him some sats immediately. And, uh, you know, from California to Mexico, no, uh, you know, no need to wait for a third party, no exchange rate, uh, you know, however many Satoshis is however many Satoshis uh, for that. And so, um, you know, there are some, like, I think that that was just that one transaction was a giant learning from him for, for him and, uh, and a giant eye opener of like, of, uh, you can be anywhere, anytime and almost receive instant again, permissionless transactions, yeah. um, that, 
that uh, that you don't have to worry about you know some bank giving you a, a weird exchange you know a, or a, frankly a horrible exchange rate or charging a ton of extra fees or some sort of transfer minimums as well too like we were able to send you know just a couple of a couple of dollars of, of sats uh, his way and and uh, and we didn't need anyone's permission to do that we just needed to send a send a lightning transaction yeah yeah i mean it, it is fun to send money internationally like that like i've done it a couple times and it's it especially for the people that are just interacting with bitcoin for the first time and they just see this money show up in their wallet and they're like oh man this is cool it's yeah. it's absolutely fantastic it's it's fun to send. It's also fun to receive uh, money as well too, right? So uh, I think that, that that's that's probably a little bit of the eye-opening thing as well too. Is like when you do earn in Bitcoin and it was you know settled instantly for you, um, like that's that's a giant eye opener uh, for I think I think for folks too. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So yeah, you guys are pretty passionate about meetups. You sponsored. Uh our Arizona meetups, um, which we really appreciate. Um, right. Yeah. Where, where do you think the coolest meetup is in the U S coolest meetup in the U S um, uh, you know, the, the orange County one is, uh, is like, is, is a pretty great one. Um, I, you know, now that, Things are open up a bit more with COVID. Uh, I plan on, you know, joining uh, you guys a bit more for for the meetups to uh, to be able to sample uh, the different ones. Uh, but yeah, I think I think you guys have a real fantastic community growing in Arizona. Uh, you know, you've shared with me kind of how many people have been attending them and how many people you guys are getting to. Uh, take their own keys, you know, take possession of their own keys and run nodes and things like that. And um, this is one reason why we do sponsor the Bitcoin meetups, because they are so important to the community. Um, They're really important to build our community. They're also really important for those opportunities to educate people that might be new to the community um, or they've been there for a while, but they might be stuck in a certain uh, mindset of keeping their, uh, you know, keeping their Bitcoin on, ca- on Cash App or Coinbase or somewhere like that. And instead, you know, when I think that you probably see this a ton firsthand of when someone is there, they get to ask questions to you know you and Stephen uh, that maybe they're not comfortable asking online because uh, they're worried it's a dumb question for some reason. Um, or they'll hear someone talking about uh, some cool new development uh, within Bitcoin uh, or some cool new service, and then, and then that piques their curiosity. Um, it also gives us a, ch- a chance to actually, uh, you know, challenge new ideas as well as accept new ideas uh, too. So I think that the community building within uh, Bitcoin meetups is, uh, is so important for everyone. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. The Orange County one, you know, inspired uh, a lot of that what we're doing out here in Arizona, and we're, um, I mean, the stuff that Stephen was doing out there with Brian uh, was pretty cool, and it's good to have him in 
Arizona. But yeah, I mean, there's just this, this corner of the Southwest that is really growing. There's, I mean, there's meetups all over the country. You know, they've, they've got some pretty vibrant ones in Texas too. Um, and uh, it's, it is awesome. You know, Brecky von Bitcoin, he's got this great, you know, line where he's talking about, we want to mint Bitcoiners, not just have people owning it. And I think that's, you know, really where it happens is at the meetups for sure. Kind of like what you were saying. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, again, back to wanting to sample all of the uh, all of Bitcoin meetups. Uh, I know that there's great, great crew in Ohio, uh, for example. So we're talking to Max and Heather over there about having a, a, a Bitcoin Buckeye tour of some sort, uh, hopefully. And uh, I have citadels popping up all over the place, right? So it's, it's good to build those communities. Yeah, I think the ones that I really think are awesome are the ones that happen in these little towns. Um, I forgot, Stephen was telling me there's one, I think it's in Missouri, I can't remember 100%, but it was like this little tiny town, probably a couple thousand people. And uh, there's nothing that happens there. And the meetup was on, I think, the front page of the newspaper. Um, and stuff like that, I think, is so, so awesome. Um, there's a cool one out in La Crosse, Wisconsin, too, which I think is also a small town. Um, some in Nebraska. It, yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um, I, I got to talk to some people in Miami about, uh, like, the, the meetup scene that's going on in Minnesota and Wisconsin. and they definitely have some uh, strong communities up there that I want to go check out. It should be a fun time. It's always, it's always a fun time with uh, with Bitcoiners, right? As evidenced by Miami too. Um, not sure. Uh, not sure if you got to go to Miami, but um, but yeah, like it's always good to get Bitcoiners in a room together, uh, whether they're talking about Bitcoin stuff or just life in general. It's uh, good for us all. Yeah, Stephen was talking about this at the meetup last night, like how in most of our circles of friends were the crazy person um, and the meetups and the conferences are when all the crazy people get together and it's just a madhouse and it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're hoping to, um, like I said, we're hoping to get, get out and about to, to more meetups because uh, it's, it's good for us all, especially coming out of COVID to, uh, again, share ideas with each other, uh, but also just to, to, to see each other, you know, to know, know that we're not the crazy one in our group of friends or our family uh, that everyone's like, oh, you know, they're going to talk to me about Bitcoin. What's going to happen now? So, uh, so it, it, it's, it's, it's uh, again, it's really important. For, uh, to have these meetups. And that's one reason why we do sponsor them uh, at BitRefill is because uh, they are important for people to go to, to attend to uh, Orange Pill bartenders, uh, Orange Pill small businesses, and, and, uh, and uh, even just the passerby who see a bunch of Bitcoiners having a good time. Uh, hopefully that piques their curiosity a little bit. Yeah, one of the things I love about Bitcoin and kind of what the cypherpunk movement has created is this, you know, decentralized innovation that's going on. Um, and I think a lot of it can come out of the meetup. So there's this, you know, idea almost that is presented to us that like there needs to be massive centralization for innovation to happen. 
and uh, you know the 3D gun printing uh, community and what they've accomplished in the last few years is absolutely astounding to me from going from the Liberator to now all sorts of you know ridiculous crazy stuff um, that is actual functional and, and, and useful and terrifying um, certain people uh, but uh, I, I think that, like one of the things I was talking with um, oh, what's his last name um, Gabe Higgins, oh my gosh, um, got him on the book. Um, but yeah, they, they have a meetup in Tampa that's launched like multiple meetups out of there and, or sorry, meetup startups out of there. And, uh, I think that's, you know, super fantastic. And just this idea of this like collaborative, it's going to be messy. It's going to be incredibly messy. We were talking about that before, just like the different tribes within Bitcoin that kind of get upset with each other once in a while and argue. Um, but I, I think that that's what gets me super excited is we're, we're doing something that's meaningful. We're creating these circular economies and, and helping people attain some semblance of sovereignty or, or more sovereignty and move in that direction and then um, build citadels like you were talking about. The, I I think it it all goes back to it's it's good to get these ideas out in, out in the wild out in the open. Um, it's how you know innovation happens, uh, and 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 so you know just like you're saying with uh, 3D printing maybe being you know similar in a decentralized fashion. Uh, if it is if it's a good idea and people are working on it, it's going to lead to some great results. Um, I could just like mildly unrelated, uh, like my dad, he actually just ordered a, a 3D printer for his business. Um, it, he's, he's a dentist and now he's like, I don't have to rely on a lab uh, to do a ton of my work that I can just, you know, scan, scan someone's mouth, run it through some uh, software. And then, you know, in a few minutes, my, my customers have a product and that, um, that I didn't have to rely on anyone. And I, so I think it's probably a similar thing with the innovation within, within Bitcoin that getting tools like that out in the wild, out in the open, uh, it'll just decentralize it more as people adopt it too, right? Like, uh, I, don't, I don't know if there is a way to really uh, centralize Bitcoin now that it's out in the wild. Yeah, yeah, it's incredibly difficult too. And that's what the block size wars, you know, really showed is like, it it yeah it's super super fascinating um did your did is your was your dad super bullish on denticoin back in the day no he's uh he's he's actually been a bitcoin only uh guy uh i i you know we've all touched the stove here and there uh when it comes to stuff like that my, my own journey to bitcoin was actually uh, looking into stable coins. Um, I came from the, the, uh, the world of wine uh, before this, and um, it was a pretty big, a big thing within the California wine industry uh, when, you're thinking, when you're trying to work on sustainability and holistic sustainability is actually um, the amount of migrant and undocumented workers that uh, the wine industry relies on. And by being an undocumented worker or being you know, a dreamer or someone like that, uh, you, it's very hard for them to get access to, to banking services. And so 
uh, my company that was uh, a sustainable wine company that was focused not only on the agricultural part, part of it, but also the sustainability for individuals and communities. Um, I was looking into I, I was looking into stable coins for these unbanked people, and that led me down the, the rabbit hole of of uh, of Bitcoin. Uh, that then you know, uh, Dad has ridden the coattails on, so he he hasn't had to touch the stove on uh, on Dentacoin or anything like that. He's been able to be uh, Bitcoin only uh, from the beginning. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, I, I touched the stove for him on that. Yeah, that, I mean, that's super interesting. It, it, even documented immigrants have trouble with financial services, but we just have this awful immigration policy. Like, there, we funnel people into what are called death corridors, and I was down in one um, a few days ago, like looking at the the border wall. Um, and I've had a lot of interactions with uh, people, undocumented people, coming across the border, and it's just. There's this like, um, I think Bernie Sanders called uh, open borders a Koch brothers conspiracy, um, which I think is you know pretty accurate. But you know one of the things that we see just in general is when people don't have savings and they don't have financial services, they're a lot easier to take advantage of. And this is what's happening with a lot of undocumented uh, people, um, where they essentially like enter into a form of indentured servitude or, or enslavement in some cases because it's like you you can earn garbage wages or we'll report you and kick you out and i think like what feeds into that is denying them financial services and bitcoin fixes that um because i like i i, I hate the idea of people taking it being taken advantage of and like this is this idea that's thrown out a lot about you know the bummers of capitalism is that you know it's about taking advantage of people and it's like no when people have savings and they have the ability to, you know, store their wealth and, you know, have the, they're a lot more difficult to take advantage of. Um, and I think that's huge. Yeah. It, it, it was, uh, agree with you completely. When you give people tools that let the system, that let, um, that let the system be fair and equal, uh, then you have fair and equal outcomes. Uh, and you give those people the opportunities, um, I mean, back to that kind of the traditional banking system and how it may or may not work for people. Um, I mean, I think that that's why we've seen what's happening in El Salvador, right? Where uh, the majority, uh, not the majority, but a big percentage of their economy is based on remittances. And that's led to both uh, people getting taken advantage of by the remittance providers with fees, but then also um, you know, the person receiving that remittance, getting, uh, having to deal with crime where people know that, like, uh, that they can rob someone physically for that remittance. Um, they have to go through this crazy journey, a lot of them, to receive the remittance. And so that's where, again, uh, tools like Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin does fix this. It does make it so that way uh, that person can receive a micropayment uh, from their family or friend or relative that they didn't have to hop on a three-hour bus ride uh, and brave the gangs to receive those funds. And, and they actually received the, the, the amount that they needed uh, instead of there being, uh, you know, a horrible exchange rate or some other fees uh, or some minimums that they have to meet to, to do that. So, um, 
And he said, that was, that was a big part of my journey to Bitcoin was uh, finding a way that we can cr create a, a, a more, a give, give our people fairer tools. So that way they have, uh, you know, the same opportunity financially um, as a lot of people and don't get taken advantage of by uh, a lot of the tools that are available to people in the fiat banking system. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a quarter, almost a quarter of the entire country's GDP is remittances. And yes. that's just mind blowing. Like they're the, the gatekeepers, the, the money transfer services, Western Union, skimming off the top, the, the traveling, the, just the opportunity cost that it is to receive money, you know, in some of those communities like El Zante is just unbelievable to me. And that's just fixed instantaneously because of Bitcoin. Yeah, I, I think that we'll all be interested and in, uh, to see what happens too, just like with the, with, uh, with the crime rate, uh, with the adoption of that, of then you take, you, uh, you get rid of these people who, could be victims or, or targets of a gang, and um, and you know you, you really change the incentive system for for folks uh, for the for the better, I think. So uh, so I, I I know that um, I think that we all saw this in the interview of uh, the El Salvador the, of the president of El Salvador that the crime is going down, but I'd be interested to see that once their law actually takes into effect, you know, comes into effect and these companies adopt it, um, what it will do for their, for their country in not only in crime, but just in total as well too. Yeah. Speaking of that interview, I guess Peter was getting some flack for the way he was sitting, which just blew my mind. <laughs> oh, you know, thank God we're recording from uh, the neck up, basically, right? You don't uh, can't get too much criticism for the uh, the holes in my pants or anything like that. So, uh, but yeah, or the way the way he was sitting. Um, uh, people people will nitpick, right? Uh, whatever they want to. Uh, but ultimately, you know, Peter did a great thing getting uh, a, a president of a of a country that is, I think, on the ascend. Uh, to a global audience. And I think that that's, uh, people are gonna say negative things about that. They, uh, they probably need to look inward to their own happiness a bit. Yeah, I mean, there's just this crazy energy on the internet um, it, and he gets the brunt of a lot of it. And I think he gets criticism, you know, that is good sometimes, I think. Um, but he gets so much criticism that is just so bad. And I, I was talking about this at the meetup last night. Like I, I'll always be grateful to him because that was like the first or second Bitcoin pro podcast that I listened to. And I got to hear, you know, Parker Lewis for the first time. And, you know, all of these people that are just so incredible um, and really get rounded knowledge. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I was always stick up for him until he starts shilling bit cloud or something like that right. right yeah i think uh i mean also he does you know do a service to a lot of people with uh his pinned tweet at the top of his uh profile walking us all through his own uh you know journey journey through shit coins and why he's bitcoin only and so um you know it, it is good for us all to criticize for <laughs> To, to give constructive criticism, right? Like, uh, 
you know, he wouldn't improve as a podcast if there wasn't some constructive criticism. Bit refill, we wouldn't improve as a company if uh, if we weren't hearing from our customers or people who aren't our customers and why they're not, why they aren't. And so, uh, criticism is good, uh, but it's it's also good when it's it's constructive and when it's when it's uh, on something real uh, that someone can change. So, um, yeah, it's basically more criticism, but also more discussion too is uh, is a, is a good thing for for us all. Yeah, I just um, stumbled across a old school podcast, Bitcoin Uncensored, um, and those guys. And unfortunately, their their podcasts aren't available. Um, but Peter did a good one with them uh, a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, their their rating was like two point five, which is like the lowest podcast rating I've ever seen. It. <laughs> um, but like from a content creator standpoint, like we're having to move into this world of like cancel proofing yourself and bitcoin plays a huge role in that um a hundred percent like as a content creator have you have you explored kind of what's going on in with breeze and, and sphinx mm -hmm. uh of you know having that value for, value for value model um with that to, yeah. yeah i'm on sphinx i i haven't uh been able to figure out breeze yet because i i'm kind of a slow learner when it comes to technicals um and i'm happy with the, my sphinx tribe right now but i think that's absolutely fantastic i think there's a huge feature for that uh with the lightning network of funding uh content creators because we just see this happen over and over again of like you know youtube i'm on youtube and they're awful um they haven't been too bad to me but they've some weird things that have happened um you know, with like video counts, like disappearing and, you know, likes disappearing and, um, you know, random stuff like that. Uh, but, uh, um, I'm not that controversial or well-known, so I'm not much of a target. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's that stuff, you know, will grow. And I, I wouldn't say it needs to grow, but it will grow because of, you know, what the gatekeepers are doing. Like, this is just the, the awesome thing about the internet and this borderless world that is happening right now is it's ushering in this new free market that we've never seen before, you know, because we, when you, when you eliminate borders and you eliminate jurisdictions um, and it really changes the game and it, it's absolutely, absolutely incredible um from a, yeah yeah i think uh i think we're all on the on the same uh freedom train here and you know that's uh a big thesis of of, of why we started and what we do what we do um where whether someone is is uh using us because of the the, the convenience um for that or whether they absolutely need to because they might not have access to you know something as simple as free fire diamonds uh online um people should have more access uh and shouldn't have to worry about where they were born uh, necessarily uh for having the things that they want so yeah yeah if we're gonna have a conversation about equity and have a real conversation it's equity is not bestowed on people by the government that that's for sure it's the, the converse opposite but lowering barriers to entry um makes things a lot fairer and 
yeah, it's it drives me nuts. <laughs> Again, not to, to not to turn it into just uh, too much of a meme, but yeah, that's another um, thing that you know, Bitcoin. Uh, I think has an opportunity. It might may or may not fix it, but it has an opportunity to uh, fix it or at least be part of that toolbox that fixes it as well too. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of closing out. Um, what are your thoughts on John McAfee? Uh, yeah, that's a, um, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a coin toss on, on, uh, on where that, where that is. Uh, I guess, what, what do you think, uh, about, about John? What do you think, uh, happened in Spain? I mean, I don't know. I don't, th I mean, this is the thing about getting into the, like the weeds on these conspiracy theories is like, I, I definitely entertain them because I, I find them interesting. Uh, but I struggle to like make a strong opinion on it uh, because there's just nothing conclusive that can be taken away from it. But the guy was 75 years old and he knew he was going to die in prison. Um, so I think there was a likelihood that, you know, he could have ended his own life. And I just, I, I struggle to see what dirt he could have had um, that would have warranted, you know, getting Epstein's. Um, uh, but that being said, you know, he was a target, you know, they were going after him for some wild reason that I don't know what it was like, they wanted to make an example of him. Um, in, and that's, you know, kind of apparent. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's one of the wildest people that like, to figure out his story. I mean, nobody, I think can conclusively, you know, be able to understand his mind and, you know, what happened in Belize and, you know, all of these, um, he's just such a wild, was a wild character. And, um, yeah, that's my, yeah. I, I think I'm, I think I'm right in line with you on that one where, uh, I could be, um, I, 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 uh, I could be talked into, you know, one frame of thinking or another. Um, you know, not everything is like a, 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 a giant, like false flag or, you know, not everything is a conspiracy. Some things are pretty straightforward of like, like you're saying, hey, if you're 75 years old and, uh, and you're in prison and, and all that, there's, it's pretty easy to see where the mind could go. Um, but at the same time, there's, you know, examples out there that uh, that there's merit to, to one way versus the other, you know, there's merit to both frames of thinking. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, things like that, like what happened with Epstein, at least gives us the, at least kind of opens up everyone's eyes to not take all information that they're receiving to be 100% uh, truth to, you know, go another layer deeper and to kind of discover uh, the truth uh, about certain things themselves and to form their own opinions about, about things that are important to them, you know, when it, if it is, if it is something that interests them uh, as well too. So uh, yeah, I, I'll be, I'll be interested to see, you know, how this goes, how this, uh, how this shakes out, but, um, but yeah, I, I'm not super opinionated on on uh, on that one way or another, uh, for better or worse. So, yeah. Yeah, I think this just 
shows the state of our institutions right now and the level of distrust and abuse that they've perpetrated that this is even, you know, a conversation, you know, in people's minds, especially. Wasn't there just like recently um, some sort of poll about how we, um, like the U.S. is one of the least trusting uh, nations when it comes to our media and press currently? Um, Yeah, and so I think it's just, you know, things like what happened with John, things like what happened with Epstein, I think, you know, or, or it, it pretty much most all, all other current events that come up these days that get reported in the mainstream uh, media, it's, it's good to look at them with a critical eye and to not, uh, you know, as in the Bitcoin community, uh, don't trust, verify. Uh, when it comes, you don't have to do that for, for everything, but at least for stuff that's important to you. Uh, to you know, really seek the truth and to verify it for yourself, if um, if you care about something. Hundred percent, yeah. It's, I mean, our media is just so so bad, and it is just like we we we've seen over the last few months where you know, um, the social media too, like Silicon Valley is colluding with government. It's the the government is corporate run, and the corporations are state run. There's this awful marriage or just it can't be trusted there's an agenda behind everything and it's not like a you know positive agenda of like oh let's you know make money off of being you know trusted but like all these news sources like i i think i was on cbs um looking at something on at their twitter uh, i was looking for that you know clip of biden you know threatening us with nukes and f-15s um but uh uh <coughs> and and they have like trusted news source, you know, in their bio, um, Fox news, fair and balanced, uh, CNN, most trusted source in news. And it's like, if, if you have to call yourself that, you know, you're probably the furthest thing away from that. Right. Right. That is a, a little bit of a warning sign uh, on everything. I mean, you know, it, it is the incentives, the incentive structure that got created does kind of, or not kind of does create this, uh, perverse system that we're all a part of, um, you know, and you do see it like uh, with incentive structures like that, as well as with centralization like that, where there are, uh, you know, gatekeepers that have giant amounts of power and uh, hopefully everyone uses it to, you know, make society better. And I think that a lot of people think that they are making society better, but the more we can, you know, decentralize from, uh, and, and untie ourselves and, you know, make people into sovereign uh, individuals and sovereign communities as well, too. Um, I think that, that that those types of systems and those types of incentive structures hopefully will win out in the long run for all of us. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we're moving in a positive direction and Bitcoin doesn't fix everything, right. but you know, we're not going to have a utopia. And I think that's a really important caveat, you know, to, to make because some people present it as, you know, that's where we're going, but it it's not. And, uh, but it's a drastic improvement, kind of like we outlined in a lot of these different, you know, examples. Yeah, I think it'll, I, I think it, um, you know, having a better form of money, I, I, I see very few downsides to having better money for, for everyone. And, uh, and a part of money is being able to transact 
with that money, right? Whether you're sending it to, you know, someone in Mexico City, uh, or whether you're wanting to buy something uh, that maybe you're not allowed to, that maybe you're not allowed to buy because of some, you know, stupid IP address uh, says you can't buy it. So uh, the, the more we can, you know, interact in a permissionless way, again, I think it'll just make, make life better for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just the idea of imposing our morals onto other people as when they're not hurting us um, or hurting anybody else. It's just absolutely mind blowing. We, we've got Ross Ulbricht in prison in Tucson. Um, I got to spend some time with his mom, Lynn, you know, and speaking of people that are going to die in prison or might die, hopefully he doesn't, but man, it's just, he, I want a picture that he, he did. Um, I've got a pretty cool picture, but it's pretty dark of like the courtroom and just, uh, you know, imagining what that'd be like to, um, be in his shoes. It's just, and, and all the other people that are in prison, you know, for these crimes that, um, like, I mean, people spending life sentences for smoking pot when it's getting legalized and state after state, you know, it's just mind blowing. Right. Right. Yeah. People, yeah. Spending giant amounts of their lives in prison when, you know, certain politicians can laugh and joke around about it is, uh, it's, it's not good for our society. Uh, and it's, yeah, I think that, uh, that's, that's great that you were able to, that you've been able to have, uh, interactions with Lynn. Um, and I think that, you know, us as a Bitcoin community can all, uh, be on the same page about, uh, about a movement like, or about an outcome, like what we need to, you know, do with, uh, with Ross. So. Yeah. He's a champ for hanging in there. Yeah. 100%. Where, so where are some good places uh, people can follow you and learn about BitRefill? Yeah, uh, so the best place uh, is, uh, you know, you can find BitRefill-related things uh, all over the interwebs, uh, whether that be on Twitter. I think it's just at BitRefill. Uh, Telegram uh, is pretty big for a lot of our uh, Spanish communities. So um, if you are, you know, interested in what's going on in El Salvador or Spain or any of the Latin American countries, you know, joining our Spanish telegram group is, is great. Or, uh, you know, someone that is having a remittance um, thing that's going on in their, in their lives or know someone, uh, there's a lot of good resources there. Um, we are trying to put out more and more resources in Spanish as well, too, uh, with the push that's going on in Latin America between, you know, El Salvador, Paraguay, Panama, all of these countries that um, that are, you know, considering something similar to what El Salvador uh, was able to do. So, uh, so yeah, say finding us uh, at, at BitRefill, um, you can also just go to BitRefill.com. Uh, we have some uh, pretty good resources on there as, as well, too. You can always find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm not super active, but uh, Thomas uh, BTC uh, is how you can find me. Nice. Yeah. Solid handle. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> slight maximalist name. I think uh, Ricardo on our team probably has the uh, the best maxi name of them all. I think it's I think it's just Ricardo BTC maxi or something like that. So. Uh, uh, I'll, maybe, maybe one day I'll get on Ricardo's level. 
solid. Well, thanks for coming on. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Alex. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully I'll get to go down to the, uh, the Tucson and Phoenix meetups uh, soon and get to see in person. That'd be awesome. All right. Have a good That was a really fun conversation with Thomas, and I hope you enjoyed it. It is just so interesting to hear about what's happening with Bitcoin in different parts of the world, you know, and how BitRefill has, you know, a really good view of that, what's happening in El Salvador. Uh, gets me really, really stoked because the more Bitcoiners are, there are around the world, people that are taking custody of their own keys are focused on privacy issues, are, you know, really stepping into a place of sovereignty and individualism in a way that's, you know, beneficial, uh, the better the world is. And that's what's going to happen in El Salvador is, you know, the government might mess us up, but there are going to be people that benefit from this, you know, that actually become Bitcoiners, and that is really exciting to me. Um, you know, and, and to say anything less that's going to happen, I think it's just a bummer because, you know, you look at all these other parts of the world where there are real Bitcoiners. I mean, we live in the United States where there's a ton of um, financial privilege, where we have all these services and people see the problems and are working uh, on solutions for it, are really taking... Uh, responsibility for themselves and stepping away from all the third parties so that's gonna happen i'm stoked super bullish on el salvador and yeah have a good one